Well, tonight uh, we deal with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to kind of focus the beginning of this uh, lesson around the thought, you know, the battle for your mind. And, and I hope you kind of can get that uh, in your spirit as we, uh, as we go forth. You know, when we get into chapter 10, you know, Paul starts to, you know, introduce a drastic change in his tone uh, that he had in previous chapter. In, in other words, he started to kind of transition from being very conciliatory with them, and, and to now he's talking about a difficult subject. And so as he talked about this difficult subject, it is often kind of awkward when you have to, you know, uh, deal with something head on, you know. In, in other words, it was now time to deal with the false teachers who had been polluting the minds of the people in the church. And so he, he makes it clear uh, in this chapter that most of our problems when it comes to the battles that we are in start in our mind. And, and we're going to take a look at that because if, if the enemy can confuse our mind and get our minds all jacked up, then it's easy for him to cause us to doubt things about God. And so when Paul was dealing with these false, uh, false apostles, um, they needed to be challenged uh, because they had worked their way into the Corinthian church, and some of them, you know, had influence. And so as a result of that, they were swaying the people away from some of the things that Paul had taught them, and then they was challenging Paul's apostolic authority. You know, and, and Paul, at, at, this is one of the few letters where at, at a certain point, He's going to boast a little bit, not because he want to boast, but he kind of has to boast to shut them up. It, it was designed, he, he knew he wanted to boast in the Lord, but in order to put some of his critics to silence, he had to say some things, you know, in a boastful way. And in, in an earlier chapter, made you remember when he was trying to, you know, convince them that he had to be a true apostle because he would not have gone through all the things he's gone through if he wasn't really called by God all the suffering, all the trials, all the troubles that he went through, he made it clear, man, if, I, you know, if God didn't call me to do this, I definitely would have done it. So y'all kind of see where we're headed at tonight? And so here in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, now I, now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. So I'm coming at you in a benevolent way, and also, I'm coming at you in a kind and friendly way. He says, though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from afar. So now, Major, what do you think? I mean, you know, some of y'all get mics and, you know, if someone calls you timid, what are they really saying? What is that word timid? Brother Anthony, I see you got yeah. your mic ready. Yeah, I'm there because, Pastor, I've already read this earlier. Um, when you stand before us, Pastor, you're just scared as all, all get out. You don't want to go ahead and speak your mind. That's what he's saying. But see, um, my thought about this, reading this, in the current situation, it's a church split because you got people with influence trying to draw some of the people away. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens in modern society today, that you get somebody with influence. They don't want to do the work to start the church, but they're trying to drag people away so they can start there off the back of somebody else who did work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
So Paul, go ahead, Brother Herb. <clears throat> he, he shows no more different than when uh, um, Jesus did the same thing, especially when it comes to meekness. As he, when he was in front of others, they probably say the same thing, very timid. Uh, uh, and that's the kind of uh, approach that Jesus also had too when he was in among the people, the leaders. And he might would say that he looked like he's kind of timid, especially when, he, when my, my Bible said meekness. Uh-huh. And when you show meekness, pretty much, you, you will get that kind of uh, uh, approach from others would think that you are speaking lowly or what you're asking of. So... He showed no different than what Jesus did, too. Okay. Brother Mays? I think he was coming at him from a, a humble perspective so they, wouldn't, so they wouldn't think, oh, look at you. You know, you're getting mad. You're telling us what to do. I think he was coming from, from Adam from a, a spiritual being patient with him, being kind with him. Okay. All those things are from the spirit as opposed to, you know, giving it to him straightforward, like he did in some of his letters. Right. Okay. Anybody else? And so he says, you know, you say I'm timid in person and boldly only when I write from afar. So the mindset here is that sometimes we can, and I say this all the time, people can be a lot more bolder when they're writing you than they're talking to you or when they're texting you have a tendency to say some things maybe that they wouldn't. And so these people said, hey, look, man, when, you, when you're amongst us, you act like you're scared. But when you're miles and miles away and you're writing us, your tone is different. And so Paul was letting them know that, you know, he, he was not doing that for his own sake. He was doing that for their sake. He didn't want to come across as if he was some overbearing guy asserting his authority in everything he did because he founded the church. He had the right to exercise authority that God had given him over the church. But some of those false teachers were coming against his teaching and coming against him. And so therefore, he said, look, even though that narrative is out there, I want you to know and I want to beg with you so that you understand where I'm coming from, that I'm not operating from the wrong set of motives like they're saying. Let's look at this, because he says in verse 2, when he started to, to plead, and he says, well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those, who, with those who think, with those who think. So it looked like he's not going to be bold with everybody, but he's going to be bold with those who think that he's coming at them from human motives. In other words, my, my reasoning, my, re, my thinking is all based upon human logic instead of spiritual wisdom. In other words, because Greece was full of philosophers and, and, and people who were very heavy in thought, people also thought that Paul was more worldly-minded than he was spiritual-minded. And so he's saying, now look, when we come, we're going to make it clear that we're not operating from human motives. 
This is not about my own reasoning, my own logic, my own way of thinking, my own motivation. This is about something that God has given me to do, and therefore we got a war with the weapons that God has given us. Does it make sense so far? Now look at this. Verse 3, he says, we are human. In other words, we go through the same things that other humans go through. We're susceptible to trials, troubles, you know, disappointments, all that. But we don't wage war as humans do. So Paul kind of looked like he see this Christian life as a war. He said, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. In other words, we're in warfare, but we don't fight like humans fight. We fight with the weaponry that God has given us to fight with. And, 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 and so therefore, human power, you know, you can have political power, worldly power with wealth and all that, that can influence people. And there's nothing wrong with that used in the right way. But Paul said when it comes to spiritual things, you got to fight with spiritual weapons. The weapons cannot be common. So, so, so he says now, we don't wage war as humans do. Now, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 10, I'm going to read some of that to kind of tie that together because, you know, to show you some of the weaponry, and I think most of you are very familiar with this. He says in verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keep people from knowing God. And then he says, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, when you read that, you see a lot of things in that passage that is connected to your mind. Every, pretty much everything he's saying that is connected to your mind. Well, let me go back and show you again. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. We knock down strongholds of human reasoning. Where does human reasoning take place at? In your mind, your intellect, your thinking. And to destroy false arguments. We build arguments against certain things in our mind. Then we destroy the every proud obstacle that keep people from knowing. What does knowing take place at? So that keep people from knowing God. So there's something the enemy throw at us to try to make sure that our mind don't make this connection to God. Because he know if we truly know God in our mind, then our bodies will follow our mind. So that's why he says, so, so now in order to do this, we have to take captive, rebellious, what thoughts take place at? In your mind, we take captive their rebellious thoughts and teach. Teaching involves your mind. Them to obey Christ. So now when we go back and look at, if y'all want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. 
verse 10 through about 18. And this is what he says. And most of y'all know this, but we're just going to connect this to weaponry now. He says, a final word, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all.